Richard Dean Winfield is a philosophy professor at the University of Georgia in Athens. Through his teaching and writing, Winfield has focused on identifying and addressing the great problems of humanity. In his campaign for the U.S. House of Representatives, Winfield advocates a new social bill of rights guaranteeing social and economic opportunity for all. Winfield lives in Athens with his wife and is the father of three grown children. Richard Dean Winfield, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to our radio audience here on WRGC 88.3 FM. Okay, thank you for giving me this chance to speak to your, to your public. Now, we'll just start off with perhaps one of the more important questions. Why are you running for this office? Now, I'm running because I feel that our, our democracy is in a crisis, and that crisis is due to the fact that we have failed to recognize and enforce the, the social rights that are not explicitly recognized in our Constitution. And these are rights which give us the economic independence and security we need in order to really take care of our families and operate as equals in our democracy. And the failure to address these rights has caused a rising fear of joblessness and economic insolvency that is stoking hatred of immigrants and minorities and giving sales to autocrats, both in the United States and elsewhere, who are really threatening the equal political and legal rights that we currently enjoy. And could you define character? Well, I think we, we want to distinguish character from personality and think of character in an ethical sense, where character does not re reflect how we uh, relate to our emotions in the sense of being, for example, introvert or extrovert, but rather how we end up conducting our lives with respect to questions of right or wrong. And then it's a matter of forming, in a, in a sense, ethical habits that give people uh, specific expectations of how we are likely to act. And here we're talking about a, a character that we, we give ourselves through our, our choices regarding right and wrong. And that's the character that is, that is of significance uh, when we're judging people with regard to public life and also our, our, our relations uh, that have any kind of ethical character. And in this regard, uh, I think it makes sense to, to consider this the kind of character by which we ought to be judged as opposed to by the color of our skin or our gender or our sexual orientation or any other factor for which we are not responsible. We should be praised or blamed for what we are responsible for, and that, that's what is involved in respecting the freedom of individuals and understanding its fundamental role in the good life. And that, by the way, is ignored by fascism in general, which wants to value differences that have nothing to do with the conduct for which individuals are responsible, but wants to pick out differences that we have, let's say, independently of our will, such as alleged racial differences, differences of gender, etc. Can you describe your philosophy for representing the roughly 740,000 people of Georgia's 10th Congressional District? Well, I think the, the purpose of a representative in Congress is to concern him, him, him or herself with the life of citizens. And the life of a citizen is the life of someone who is bound to a community that's concerned with upholding all of the freedoms of its members. Uh, involving, on the one hand, the freedom to engage in self-rule, 
also the freedom to pursue particular interests that do not prevent others from pursuing their own particular interests. There we're talking about social freedom. It also involves ensuring that people can exercise their family freedoms, where they co-determine a joint private domain as spouses and parents. And I think as citizens, we're always concerned with the common good, the common good of our nation. And in running for Congress, one is putting forward a particular vision for how we can uphold that common good of the nation, which consists in upholding uh, all of our freedoms in, in consonance with one another. And that's the real task. It's not a matter of representing the particular interests of a locality. If that were the case, then politics becomes a conflict of battling a particular interests where each seeks to dominate all the rest. Instead, we're here to operate as self-governing citizens. And uh, the role of a Congress congressional representative is to come up with a political vision for how all of our freedoms can, can best be realized. And that's, that's what I'm attempting to do, is to discuss basically what we have to do to ensure that we can exercise our freedoms as equal citizens and do so in a way that allows us also to pursue our social freedoms and uphold our, our family autonomy as well. And we have to recognize that we can't really participate equally in self-government if we are dominated in society or in the household. Social and household freedom are preconditions for exercising political freedom. And we have to attend to our social and household rights if we're going to be able to exercise our political rights. And that's been a problem from the very beginning of our republic, that we haven't really provided the policies that ensure that everyone can genuinely be free and have equal opportunity in society and in the household. And that is what I am attempting to focus this campaign on, <clears throat> by stressing in particular what we need in order to have economic independence and security, without which we really can't be free. And the core to this is, is the true right to work, the right of everyone to be able to, uh, to be able to have a decent livelihood through their own efforts. And that ultimately revolves around the right of having a job. And government has to step in to ensure that that right is, is, is truly uh, realized, where if anyone wants a job and can't find one in the market, our government should step in and provide employment that will serve the needs of our community. And that will allow really a, a, a new birth of freedom. It will wipe out unemployment. It will involve also providing everyone with a fair wage, not just a living wage whereby they can just get by, but a wage which allows everyone to participate in the prosperity of our nation. And that way we also wipe out not just unemployment, but poverty wages. And on that basis, we can begin to address uh, sort of equalizing uh, the playing field between employer and employee. We need certain key measures of employee empowerment. We need to have fair representation on corporate boards where employees are allotted half of the seats. And we also have to ensure that there's collective bargaining in every workplace with multiple employees so that employers can no longer t tell us to take it or leave it. And this is not a matter of advancing one interest at the expense of others. It's a matter of having a fair society. And on that basis, then we can address putting family and work in balance. I mean, currently one of the big problems facing women in particular and parents in general is how to be able to advance one's career 
and participate in, in politics while at the same time attending to our family responsibilities. And if we're really going to be able to do both, we have to ensure that all employers are required to give paid family leave for emergencies, paid family nine-month parental leave when a newborn comes into the world. We also need to have free public childcare and free public elder care so that people can afford to go to work and know at the same time that their, their children and elders are, are taken care of. And without these measures, we're not going to be able to overcome the continuing disparity in wealth, income, retirement benefits, and power of men and women. What is your vision for Georgia's 10th district specifically in the next 10 years? And how will you begin to work towards that end um, during your tenure in Congress? Well, I think a, a key measure will be to provide economic independence and security for everyone with guaranteed jobs, wiping out unemployment. And that means that we can put people to work providing all the missing infrastructure, goods and services that are absent in, in so many of our counties. Uh, we need not only to repair our physical infrastructure, we have to build and operate a new green infrastructure. We need to provide public transportation so people can get from one place to another. We also need to provide upgrading all of our public facilities. We need to refurbish substandard housing, build sufficient affordable housing. We need to in increase the staffing of our schools and our healthcare facilities. And I think all of this will be a way of rejuvenating our counties in the 10th district and, and throughout the nation. And on this basis, we can then fix our schools because if, if families can get by on one job, be at home when kids come back from school, prepare them proper meals, then uh, when we provide equitable funding for all school children by no longer relying upon property taxes, which allow affluent communities to have more resources than poor communities. We can even the playing field in schools themselves, and we can have more teachers, we can pay them better, we can require uh, higher standards of training and generally improve our educational system. We can have a healthcare system which can cut our healthcare costs in half and put them in line with those of other developed nations. We can do it through a, what I'm calling a super Medicare for all system, where we have a single payer insurance system covering all necessary physical, mental, and dental care and medicines. And this would have no co-pays and no deductibles because there, there are many, many people who can't afford to use their health insurance because they can't afford the co-pays or deductibles. So if we really want to recognize that health care is a right, and it is a right because we can't exercise our freedoms if we're sick and dying, then we have to have such a system. And we also have to think about being equal before the law because in our current system, money does have an impact upon one's legal standing. One of the extreme examples of that is our cash bail system, where a poor person rots in jail because they can't afford to buy their way out. You know, only one other country in the world has a cash bail system. That's the Philippines, and it has it because it was our colony. No other country tolerates that injustice. We should eliminate it. We also need a legal care system for all, which is going to allow everyone to go to any lawyer of their choice for personal criminal or civil uh, legal advice and, and representation, and to have that paid for by a fair tax system, which puts the burden on the top 10% of income and wealth. 
And in that way, we can really be equal before the law, fight for our rights, fight against sexual harassment, fight against discrimination, fight against corporate abuse, defend our custody rights, defend ourselves in family matters, property matters, etc. And I think these, these are key measures that have not been uh, followed up on uh, by our representatives of either party. And we really need to push ahead towards this new renewal of our democracy. And my next question was about healthcare, in which I was going to ask you to describe the healthcare system. Uh, I believe you did that sure. sufficiently in that last um, uh, uh, response. Yeah. I want to ask you now: um, How will you begin to work towards that healthcare system during your time in the U.S. House of Representatives? Well, I think there, there's a growing tide of opinion that recognizes that the most efficient and comprehensive healthcare system is a single-payer system that eliminates the huge cornucopia of private insurance systems with all their added overhead and expense and substitutes an extension of Medicare to everyone, but an extension of Medicare that includes all our necessary medical needs, which is to say physical, mental, and dental, and all medicines with no copays and no deductibles. And we would be able to cut our expenses in half without changing anything in the provision of the healthcare itself, because we would maintain the same, the same healthcare providers, but now we would have a much more simplified insurance system. And if we could bring our costs down to what they are in every other developed nation, we would save $1.7 trillion, but which, given by the, the way, is of the same magnitude as the tax giveaway to the rich that the Republican tax plan has just engineered. But given the ideological stalemate um, that there is in this country over health care, uh, do you think that a, a discussion about the cost savings alone is enough to actually move in a direction towards the health care system that you would like to see? Well, I think it's not a question of, of, of cost saving principally. It's a question of right. And I think there is a growing recognition that every human being is entitled to have health care because you can't exercise any of your freedoms if you're sick and dying. And I think there is now a, a growing uh, support for these measures. And if I am elected in 2018, I will be elected as part of a Congress that will have a very different composition than today's com Congress. And that may also be true of the Senate. So I think in 2018, uh, there will be much greater support for treating healthcare as a genuine right. And I think by 2020, we should be able to have a president who's willing to adopt uh, the true solutions that a single payer healthcare system would represent. And I would be working towards that. And I would use my position in Congress to argue for these positions as well as for all the other social rights we need. Now, how do we begin to heal the divisiveness that so defines this time in American politics and even really in American society? Well, I think much of the divisiveness uh, is due to the failure of, in a sense, both parties to really address our, our social crisis. Our nations become more and more unequal. It is now the most unequal nation in the developed world with the least social mobility. More and more people are working at minimum wage jobs. You know, the top 1% has as much wealth as the bottom 90%. And I think all of the economic anxiety that these situations involve is causing a polarization because you have so-called populists of the right 
who are in a sense uh, either colluding or expressly advocating, in a sense, a, a, a new birth of fascism that wants to uh, unravel many of our basic freedoms. On the other hand, we have people um, on the other side who are frustrated with the failure of other political groups to provide real solutions. There is a job problem. The full-time job is under assault from both automation and the rise of the gig economy. And we have to come up with fundamental solutions and a guaranteed job program based on a federal job guarantee is, is really a, a basic program that will be a pillar of the kind of economic independence and security that we need that I think can put an end to much of the polarization we're undergoing. Now, why should members of our radio audience vote for you? Well, I think they should. They have to recognize both the gravity of our situation, where our democracy is in a crisis, and it's in a crisis because there is a growing sense of frustration that our government is not really addressing the social crisis we're in, where more and more people are, are finding it uh, very, very difficult to get uh, employment, meaningful employment, and employment on the basis of which they can meet their needs and, and provide for their family and their children. And I think we have to put in, in place the measures that allow us to be independent, to be independent, to exercise our economic and social freedom. And on that basis, we can take government seriously. We can recognize that government can indeed uh, help us in the pursuit of happiness. And I think that is something that our leaders have failed to do by failing to end unemployment with guaranteed jobs, end poverty wages with a fair minimum wage, end the great disempowerment of employees that has occurred in, in, in the last decades. I think we have to make fundamental changes to ensure that we all really have genuine equal opportunity. And the measures I'm putting forward should excite the voters because they really deal with the questions of jobs and economic independence and security on the basis of which we can then have a, have a working health system that serves everyone. We can have an educational system that at all levels is open to all, and we can have a legal system that truly allows us all to protect our rights. What's at stake is our freedom. And I think we have neglected the household and social bases on which our political freedom rests. And now we have to turn to those, those fears and ensure that we are giving people the opportunity they need. And I'm, I'm putting out a comprehensive program to do so. And I might add that it's all practical. It's all been implemented to a great degree, either in other countries, in our country at other times. But we have been ignoring the possibilities that are there. And we have everything we need to implement these programs. We're the richest nation in human history with the greatest wealth and the greatest income. But it's becoming more and more unequally distributed. And what we need to do is to give everyone the chance to be able to earn a living in dignity and have genuine independence and not be dependent. This is not a matter of extending the welfare state. This is a matter of doing away with welfare and allowing everyone to be independent as much as possible. And no. in this respect, it's a fulfillment of the American dream. And by the way, it is good for business because when you eliminate unemployment, when you have fair wages, where you have employee empowerment, then you have maximum consumer demand. You get rid of the fluctuations in employment levels and, and, and buying power that are tied to recessions and depressions. And you could say that we s 
we save the soul of entrepreneurs because now we create conditions under which they can do the right thing and, and still be competitive. This is a matter of, of redeeming capitalism. It's not socialism. It's a matter of making the market work for everyone and, and allowing it to be compatible with our family welfare and with our political freedom. Now, those are all the questions I have for you, but I want to turn it over to you now. Is there anything that I did not ask you about, or is there anything that we did discuss that you'd like to place a greater emphasis on? Well, I think we, we might also consider the political system itself and the extent to which our political freedoms are impaired under the current uh, status quo. On the one hand, we have huge areas of voter suppression. There are almost 6 million Americans who have been deprived of the right to vote because they are or have been prisoners. And this is not done in other countries. And there's no excuse for taking away the right to vote from anyone. I should be campaigning inside prisons as one does in other countries. So I think we, first of all, have to eliminate entirely the depriving of the right to vote to anyone in our country. Secondly, we have to have meaningful, meaningful campaign finance reform. That's not just a matter of overturning Citizens United and, and shutting down all of the uncontrolled money that's pouring into politics and allowing huge centers of wealth to disproportionately influence uh, the course of our, 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 our political campaigns. We also have to create a system which allows everyone to run for office if they, if they so desire. And currently, if you're an employee like myself, it's very difficult to afford to run for office. I have to go on unpaid leave by law as a university professor in order to run, which means I have no pay, no benefits. And if, if I were not a tenure professor, but an employee in, in any other sector, I not only would have no income or benefits, I would also likely have no uh, job waiting for me at the end of the campaign. So we have to introduce fundamental reforms that will ensure that people who run for office will have means of support while they're running and will be guaranteed a return to their job at the end of the campaign if necessary. And then we can really be said to have a right to run for political office, which today is not a real right, it's a formal right. And if you look at the composition of, of Congress, of our House of Representatives and the Senate, you'll see that there are very, very few employees. Most of our representatives are, are millionaires, independently wealthy, or doctors and lawyers, businessmen who uh, can support themselves while they're running and go back to their employment afterwards, which is not true of more than 90% of the population. So these are, these are key matters that have to be dealt with. Um, until they are, we have to admit that our political system is rigged, is rigged in a way that excludes full participation by most of the population. And how can our radio audience get in contact with your campaign to learn more, to volunteer, or just engage with you um, again? Yeah, the easiest way is to go to my campaign website, which is winfieldforcongress.com. That's all spelled out, W-I-N-F-I-E-L-D-F-O-R, congress.com. And there, there are links to sign up to volunteer, uh, donate links, and there'll be full information on my, my platform which contains matters I haven't had a chance to discuss here. Well, Richard Dean Winfield, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk with our radio audience about your candidacy for the 10th Congressional District seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. Thank you.